Thanks for tuning in to The Other Side of Fear. I have my friend Kevin here with us today. I'm super excited about this show. So yeah. Kevin and I met on Instagram. We follow this pastor author guy and we connected because he posted a comment on Instagram and I liked the, I liked where his head was. I kind of liked how um, controversial oh, he was. So I was, you know, we could follow <laughs> each other and chatting and turns out we have a lot in common. So I really want you guys to hear Kevin's story with, he grew up in the church with religion, just kind of how he decoded all of that, where he's at now. I think it's super important to hear this stuff because there's a lot of thoughts that people are having that have grown up in the church and with Christianity. And I don't think a lot of people are talking about it. And it's super important that we're honest about anxiety and depression and the true thoughts that we're having about God and religion and really um, learning to think for ourselves and be critical thinkers. So I'm just going to let you in on the conversations that Kevin and I have, and I want you guys to hear his story. So Kevin, tell me about your upbringing. I want to hear about, you know, church, religion, what your home was like, what your views on God were and that kind of thing growing up. Uh, Okay. Wow. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I, I enjoyed our conversation the other day before the podcast. It started at 11, and when we were done, it was 1230. And I yeah. was thinking, I, I haven't talked to anyone that long, like, in a long time. <laughs> I was like, gosh, that was a great, a great conversation. Yeah, I uh, I grew up in I grew up in the church. I went to Christian school, a pretty conservative Christian school. They still paddled back then. I don't, no I don't way. Know there. Yeah, I never, I never got paddled. And I, what? Yeah, Isn't that yeah, illegal? I guess being a private school, they could get away with it. I have no idea. But, oh man, that's yeah. wild. <laughs> they, uh, they would paddle, and um, and then they would, uh, and they didn't have uniforms, but they had like strict, you know, um, you couldn't wear shorts, no dancing, no, you know, it was like, uh, it was, I guess it was Southern Baptist. I never really thought about it. Wow. But the funny thing is, it was called Grace Baptist, and oh, it's funny geez. that that the churches with grace in the name are usually <laughs> the worst. Like, they're trying to pretend like they're full of grace but they're really the opposite <laughs> yeah it's just like really awesome. but you know Richard Rohr says um that's a good place to start it's just a terrible place to finish so you know it's all good I was at Christian school for five or six years I left in fifth grade I went to middle school and I was to public middle school and I was like oh my god this is crazy I mean, people were writing on the walls. That wall. I mean, there was no respect. It was. It was a culture shock for me, and I'm. I feel like I'm still trying to catch up. So. <laughs> You've always been a step behind then. After that. I've, yes. Oh, yeah. oh, and I was pre. I was premature. So it's like between being premature and and all that. It's like I feel like I've never. I'm always on my own page, and mm-hmm. it's okay. It's just yeah. So I did that, and then I grew up in uh, the Pentecostal church, and then left there to go to a new a vineyard church, which I don't know how well known those are now, but it was like it was a charismatic church at the time. So what then, was your experience with the Pentecostal church, just out of curiosity, because that's kind of mm-hmm. what my upbringing was. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, you know, a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, you, it wasn't the Pentecostal, like no makeup. It was the free will. Actually, it was the it, it was, was the speaking in tongues, people passing out, every yeah. just pure chaos. Yeah. And uh, dancing in the aisle and. Yep. Trains like uh, running around in circles. Um, like yeah. Yep. That was yeah. exactly what I grew up with. And there were so many cool things. In a sense, like I look back to that time, and there was so much power and energy there were so much so many things that were so fucked up about it but yet there were so many things that were real and so as I'm unpacking all of that I'm like 
I just remember feeling a sense of there is a higher power. There is this, you know, and what, what part of it was just energy we created when we're running around in a room and what part of it was miracles actually happening, the Holy ghost actually being there, you know, and it's so interesting to think about it now being out of it. Well, yeah. Yeah, The one thing I I, I agree, the one thing I take away from a lot of that is like the power of presence and the power of, of people being present in one moment. Like, I remember moments where we would sing songs and like that were just repetitive, like we exalt thee, we exalt thee. You sing it for me. It felt like an hour. You just sing it over and over. And that's probably weird for someone that has never been in the church to hear that. But like I look back now and I see like that was we were all present in one place. And there is power. There is power in that. Yeah. Um, And you're all in the, you're all in the same energy. It's like this, anytime you're in a room with 200 people and you're all just high energy, repeating the same mantra, repeating the same thing. I mean, you're gonna like fire each other up. It's just (laughs) how it is. I mean, if we're all in a room, you know, whatever we're saying, it's going, you're gonna feel that energy inside. I mean, I remember feeling like it was real, but like what, what was God? or people's perception Mm -hmm. of God and Mm -hmm. what was just simply the natural energy you create when you're in a room with 200 people and you're chanting like, yeah, I mean, you could be chanting about cheese and you might have the same sensation. <laughs> exactly. You know? like, yeah, you, even you're like, cheese is the best thing ever. <laughs> like, and, but then you're, and then you're like mind fucked because you're like, wait a second. Like that just yeah. like, it's like a cult. It's fuck. It's like a cult. It's so cult. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, especially whenever you come out of it, because I mean, I think I heard the real definition of a cult is like, you can't, um, you can't ever leave. And so I guess from their perspective, they would say, oh, you were always free to come and go. It's just that if you left, you're condemned to hell, you know, or if you left. <laughs> In my experience, there, you can say a lot of things, but mm. what's the energy behind it? And I've, I've literally experienced with my own circumstances, when you leave and you decide you don't believe, you're not welcome. You've gone too far. Yeah. You've and it's not that they might outwardly say, we'll always love you. Well, mm-hmm. the, the big thing is, oh, you're on my heart. I'm just thinking about you. And it really, it's a place of judgment. Like you don't believe what you should believe. You don't believe the truth, you know? And so it really is that feeling of you're unwelcome here and you're not welcome back. It's all based on fear. You know, if it you is. can, if you can make a person afraid and you can make a person believe they have a problem and you have a solution mm-hmm. or you, you've got them exactly where you want them. Yep. I heard someone say the Catholic church kind of has a mantra that if we have a child by eight, we'll have them for their life, you know, ah. and <laughs> which is funny. Let me tell you why this is so funny. Cause this is what I do in my program with coaching yep. is I coach with the belief that you pick up all of your trauma besides, you know, besides like a traumatic event that happens later in life, like a sexual abuse or an accident or a death, you pick up all your programs by the time you're seven. So all mm-hmm. of your your personality, what you've developed into your personality has happened by the time you're seven. So when, when the Catholic Church says, I have you brainwashed by the time you're eight, I'll have you for the rest of your life, they're actually right. Because yeah. unless you go back and rewire and you go on your own journey, you're going to be wired that way for the rest of your life. Yeah, it's the power of groupthink. It's the power of, um, it's the power of someone taking away all the existential angst and 
questions and unknowing and yeah. it's weird. It's so weird. <laughs> it's weird. It's so weird. And you don't know until you're out of it. And yeah. then you look back and you're like, shit, I didn't know how afraid I was. I didn't know how mind fucked I was like I had no idea so tell me so you went to college and I know when we talked Mm -hmm. before you were saying that was kind of like your turning point where you started thinking for yourself so what was your college experience in that I remember I had a a a friend I'm a woman I'm still friends with now on Facebook She, she was a black gay woman which I had never, I guess I'd never met before. And she was nice and she was caring and you knew that she cared about you and she was loving and she never pushed her views. She wasn't like an uber left radical, angry. I mean, she she was just nice. And just, I'm like, wow. Like it, it was like someone takes it. And this is how life goes for me. It's like someone takes a key and they unlock the door and they're like, hey, you're welcome to come in. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not going to drag you in. I mean, that, you know, that, that's your experience in the church kind of, you know, but yeah, so I met her and And then I started to take classes and think about how the human psyche works and psychology and manipulation and all these things. And religion, I I didn't leave religion or um, I didn't leave ongoing church membership because I was angry and or I wasn't hurt or I wasn't wasn't really mad. It just didn't work anymore. It wasn't transformative. Mm. I mean, when like from birth to 10, it's like the fear of hell that really motivates you. And you just want to yeah. follow the rules because you don't want to burn forever. Dude, you know how many um, times I went up to the altar like just to make sure yeah. I was going to heaven? Like 30 yeah. times, bare minimum, because I'm like, I just want to. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just make sure. Yeah. Um, and then and then when you start to get around 13, I think you get into like youth ministry age and oh. it's more of a passion and. God's will for my life and I want to yeah. fulfill what he wants and, and and you try not to do the cardinal sins you know don't drink smoke chew or hang out with those who do and then it becomes more about becoming your individual self so then as you get closer to your 20s you're kind of like okay how am I going to take this into adulthood and you start realizing that like all the passion of the passion conferences or all the passion of, of all this stuff start starting to wear thin and it's not really going to help you become the person you need to be so for me it wasn't anything bad or one specific situation as much as it was non-transformative Mm-hmm. non-transformative if there's if there's a god in the sky and jesus is at his right hand and they're hanging out right now and they're watching me when i sleep then that's cool i guess but it's not transformative it does nothing yeah. for me yeah i need something i need something and yeah. i don't need to hit here try harder try harder i started to go to a um a bible study called the normal christian life which was really good based off the book the self-titled book and then I started to really study and, 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 and the conclusion from the normal Christian life was pretty much that the, the Christian life, it, it can't even be lived by you. Your, your, your attempt to even live the Christian life is, is futile because you're, you're unable in your strength. And so it takes more of a supernatural uh, bent of uh, it's, only, it's only through God's spirit living in you that you're able to live any kind of life. So it's, it's kind of like dying to self. It kind of went along the lines of like the Pentecostalism, but it was a really refreshing breath of fresh air because at this point it was no longer about my ability to Mm. do these things and it was kind of relinquishing my control and my ability to know and so from there I started uh, I started to do another uh, bible study at the time that was more about Galatians and we we read all through Galatians from the view of law versus grace Mm -hmm. and then you start thinking about well you know you start thinking about radical grace which by the way uh Jay Baker the televangelist son I like following him and he and and his turning point in life was studying radical grace so 
I just think that's a really important part when you start looking at law versus grace versus my ability versus my inability. So I was at a point at that point where I was like, well, I'm not better than all these people I've been judging this whole time. Yeah, there you go. And and maybe they have something to offer me. Yeah. Instead of me, me always trying to fix them. Mm-hmm. So all this stuff kind of happened at the same time. Isn't um, that such a cool turning point when you realize I was so, this is exactly what was my like breaking moment. I was mm -hmm. so arrogant about what I believed that Mm -hmm. I was judging everybody else around me and I was trying Mm -hmm. to fix them. And, and there's that concept that they need me to teach them about Jesus because they need saved. Well, it's my job on earth to save them. Then I am the deliverer of the message. So then in my mind, being the personality that I am, I'm like, I'm going to fucking fix everybody. Well, in order to (laughs) be able to do that. I had to be up here on the pedestal. I knew more than everybody else. I was, and what really helped me to stop judging people was to when I got knocked off my high horse and I realized, oh, maybe what I believed isn't accurate. Maybe other people are onto something. And my judgment towards people was so opposite of love that Mm -hmm. it was the opposite of God or what you would think God is. It was the complete Mm -hmm. opposite of love. And really what it boiled down to was that's the way I judged myself. So when I got knocked off my high horse, I had to start being honest with myself about my own Mm -hmm. fucked up life, my own fucked up views. And then it really was humbled. And then I was able to really accept other people for where they are at and really open up to other people's perspectives for the first time. Mm -hmm. Richard Rohr. Yeah. He, um, Richard Rohr calls that the first half of life and then second half of life. And the only way to transition from one to the other is probably like a Paul, a Paul on the road to Damascus experience. Like you're talking about knock off your horse and what yeah. knocks you off your horse is some degree of external factor is some yeah. degree of suffering. Mm-hmm. And Richard Rohr calls it necessary suffering. And he mm-hmm. says that suffering, um, suffering is when, is when control is being taken from you. So parenthood. Yeah. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's suffering. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, suffering is when control is being taken from you, but uh, versus you relinquishing your control. Mm-hmm. So I think we have two options when, yeah. when we get to these places in life where we're yeah. like, the mm-hmm. cognitive dissonance is too much. Mm-hmm. The existential angst is too much. How am I going to handle you know, having a gay, a gay professor that I'm not supposed to really love that's mm-hmm. going to hell. And then reality itself, mm-hmm. you know, and, and this theology. And I always like mm-hmm. to say that theology is what we do when reality is too much. Yeah. You know? Oh, fuck yeah, absolutely. I can't even <laughs> handle theology anymore because I'm like, what, what is this? And it's so funny because it's so accurate that you have, you can relinquish the control and make the choice to humble yourself or whatever, make the choice to change and be honest mm-hmm. with yourself. Or you can wait until your life blew up and I tell people I didn't have the balls to be honest with myself about my marriage, about my my whole life, my whole facade that I had built up. I didn't have the mm-hmm. balls to be honest about it and walk away from it. So I had to wait until it blew up for me to then, and I wanted to be the victim. And then as soon as being the victim didn't serve me anymore, I was like, all right, what am I going <laughs> to fucking do about it now? And yeah. that's when everything changed for me. But it did take my whole, it did take suffering for me. And it doesn't have to be suffering for everybody. But for me, that's what it took because of the stubbornness or the just total disconnection from reality. Yes, exactly. And if it's not suffering, you at least have to learn to empathize. You know, I'm never going to come from Mexico to America and be kept in a cage or whatever it is, or have to try to get through border security. But I can say, that sounds terrible. I've never want it done to me. You yeah. know, I want to empathize with people I don't know and I don't understand. 
And there's an unraveling, an unknowing. I like to say that uh, the only time that absolutes are most necessary is when there's power or there's profit at stake. Mm-hmm. And that's what you see in a lot of the institutionalized church. Mm-hmm. There's a degree of power. There's a degree of profit. And so the absolute, the goalposts are set. And these yeah. are the certain, th- this, and this is how we work. Unknowing, unraveling, undoing. Per- I, I can make much more sense of that, of those ideas along the life of Jesus and laying down your life and letting go and relinquishing power. I can, I can make sense of that message in the message of Jesus. I can't make sense of power, prestige, ego, control, manipulation and i can't reconcile that with jesus Mm -hmm. but somehow that is a majority of the gospel that we come to understand right and it's so interesting because church i mean my experience with church had nothing to do with this jesus character that was depicted in the bible and had everything to do with all the other shit and so like when we were when we connected it was brian zahn had posted this thing about jesus and you're like well you're being objective about everything else why are you not analyzing jesus why are you not looking at jesus objectively because they can strip everything else away but taking jesus out of it is like death right because so it's not really letting yourself fully free fall into the unknown and fully unravel. It's like clinging to these certain, and and this is exactly what it is. It's that dogma. We're so dogmatic about these absolutes, but that's actually killing us because what, what do we know with such certainty that we can take to, we don't know. We have, we don't know. And so the, you, you shut off to growth when you dig your heels in and you say definitively, this is the, this is the truth. Yeah. First I saw this more, this Marcus Borg video of him talking about the last, he calls it the last week. He wrote a book about it and he talks about how he talks about Jesus, the death and the resurrection. It's on YouTube and it was at All Saints Parish in Pasadena, California. It's a great video. And it's one of those that like me and my wife looked at each other and we're just like, no, 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 <laughs> don't stop. I want, can, can I go back and not watch that? <laughs> can I watch it? <laughs> yeah, can I watch it? I want to be safe. I want to feel secure. <laughs> but because there are so many free thinking types at that church, it's an Episcopal church, but it's, it's pretty it's pretty loose. He talks about Jesus that we've come to know and he and he kind of pulls apart the atonement theory and um uh, all these ideas of the resurrection. And he's saying, you know, even if you don't believe in the resurrection, you can still love Jesus. And even mm-hmm. if you don't believe in the virgin birth. And he, so he starts to unravel all this stuff. And it's like, I had deconstructed a lot of that, <laughs> except for that. And it's mm-hmm. like, no, don't, don't mess with my baby yeah. Jesus in the manger. Yeah. <laughs> my magical <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mess with my magical Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I need my magical Jesus. He's sitting <laughs> in the clouds. And he's taking care of me. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, you know, I don't, yeah. And Brian Zahn had posted that comment. Yeah. And so Brian Zahn breaks apart the atonement theory and he, he comes, he comes at it more from the point of view of Jesus versus the empire. And that's beautiful. Yeah, but sure. yeah, there is like this 20% that he doesn't let go of. Yeah. Um, and I'm, and, I'm uh, there with yeah. him. Like I told you yeah. when we're talking about, when we're talking about God and you come to this, not even a final conclusion, your final conclusion is like the unknowing, but yeah. I'm like, you can't say that out loud. You can't know, tell anybody that you maybe don't believe in this God, <laughs> that you maybe don't believe in magical Jesus anymore. And I literally felt a little panicky when you said that but to me <laughs> I was like I needed to hear that because until you totally free fall into the unknown mm-hmm. you're never going to be your true authentic self you're never going to give yourself a chance to learn and I think and this is what I tell people you have been given a mind of your own and you have been giving given a soul of your own you have every 
capability to create your own theology, to create your own belief system, yet we don't give each other freedom to do that because we are afraid. We're so afraid that your conclusion isn't going to match my conclusion. And we don't. So to me, I'm like, am I really smart enough to let go of magical Jesus and come up with something else? Am I really smart enough? Am I strong enough to walk this out knowing there is a higher power and just giving myself the freedom to figure out what that looks like to me? And it's scary as fuck. I mean, it's so scary. Well, yeah, but see, but here's the problem with magical Jesus is that once again, it keeps you from transformation. It does. Because it places so much importance upon a, a woman having uh, a virgin birth. It places so much emphasis on, if you're from the Pentecostal wing, you know, the miracles yes. um, and walk and literally walking on water. It puts so much emphasis on these things as literal truths versus a much bigger and much more transformative truth of what they could represent. Mm, I and, love that. I love that so much. That's so good. So it's not so, throwing yeah. the baby out with the bathwater, but it's no. saying step back a little bit and just think objectively about the whole fucking facade. Think about yeah. objectively about if this is a story. And this is so funny. People are so willing to throw the Bible out and they're so willing to throw out the Father God, but they're not mm -hmm. willing to throw out baby magical Jesus with it and it's like you got to throw out the whole picture and people are going to yeah. lose their fucking minds we're probably going to lose listeners right here but you have to be yeah. willing to throw out the whole picture and start over because God has given us the power and the authority and a fucking brilliant mind yeah. and as long as we're relying on other people to feel like as long as I'm constantly reading books of theologians to get some fucking nugget of truth wh why can't I be that person why what makes them so anointed and inspired where I can't in my connection with God and the divine come up with my own version of, of truth and love. Yes. Yes. And so, um, Hey, you know, I, I got Jesus bobblehead. Can you see that? <laughs> oh, that is so. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, here's the deal. The, the title of your podcast is out of fear. And so the idea is that you're walking out of your fear and I, I think my favorite story in the Bible is probably Peter stepping out of the boat and looking at Jesus and walking on water. Does Peter really need to walk on water for us to believe the gospel? Or can we say, I feel like I'm walking on water every day as I unravel and I step out of fear and I step out of the life that was or this abusive situation and I create this new life and I take risks I've never taken. Do I feel like I'm walking on water? Do I have to keep my head up looking forward, not doubt? Don't look down, but I have to look forward and continue to step even when I don't know what I'm going to step upon. Yes, I do. And that's transformative and that's amazing. And and the other thing about that is um, we look at Jesus, the person and the revolutionary and his interaction with the empire of his day, which Cornel West says is the biggest empire that we are living in the biggest empire since the Roman Empire. Yes. So if you're going to talk about Jesus, did you really talk about the empire that put him to death and the connection of that empire and the empire that we live in today? So he considers himself a prophetic Christian, not a Constantinian Christian. Mm -hmm. And I love that because he says, listen, there's power in the gospel and there's power in the person of Jesus apart from Jesus the Christ. Now, does that mean that Jesus the Christ is non-transformative and it's not necessary? No. I love how Paul never talks about the virgin birth, but he does say it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me. And so when we start to look at the Christ life, we start to look at the transformative life, we start to look at the new life. These are all themes that we can attach ourselves to and find power in and mm. transform and transformation in by putting so much emphasis on their literal truth, we can sometimes lose any real truth. 
Yes. You know? and, and it becomes but, yes. this, this is where the fear comes in. So mm-hmm. when we, when we have to literally anytime that we are Velcroing ourselves to somebody else's um, belief, we're literally so afraid to walk it out um, on our own that we're like, okay, I'm going to grab that. I'm going to grab that. Yeah. And then we have, so we attach ourselves to all of these things out of fear. When, like mm-hmm. you said, going back to that walking on water, that's the power. That is love. It's saying, I have no fucking clue if it's magical Jesus, if it's Abba Father, if it's what the fuck ever, but I know that there's something bigger than me. It's real. It's love. And I'm going to walk towards love and I'm going to do it out of power and authority and conviction and clarity mm-hmm. instead mm-hmm. of like, ooh, because anytime he would have fucking sunk in the water if he was like, ooh, yeah. you know, yeah. and that's literally <laughs> such a beautiful picture. But yet we put so much, um, we put this like dark spin on it and this legalistic spin on it and it becomes law and it becomes, it just becomes the opposite of love. And so mm-hmm. my core Literally what I teach every day is if it's fear, it's not love. And if it's not Mm -hmm. love, it's not God. And literally that goes back to that's everything. That's all you need. If it's pain, it's not love. And if it's not love, it's not God. So it doesn't matter if what you're saying about Jesus Christ is actually true if your Mm -hmm. core belief behind it is fear and pain yeah that's not love right if your core if you're if you're so afraid to not believe that that you're going to go to hell how is that love and if it's not love it's not god so it doesn't matter what you say you could say oh jesus christ was born of a virgin birth and blah 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 and i I better Mm -hmm. believe this or i'm going to go to hell then you're then that's fear and that's not god yeah and so what what i've learned to do with myself is getting so fucking clear in my body, in my soul, in my mind on what is love and then making choices out of that. Then I do scary things. Then I walk on the water knowing full well that the power inside of me, it's not my own. It's God. It's whatever source. It's universe. And that becomes, I'm so connected with love that I can do anything I fucking want. I might fail. I might get rejected. It might be, you know, be painful, but I know that I'm going to keep moving forward from a place of love. And I will always then get the miracles. That's where the miracles are. That's where it's just crazy how we mix it all up in this witch's pot of the Bible. And, (laughs) and it's like, it becomes this like, nasty puke that we're like serving to people in church and we're like see this is great and like I told you before I looked at my own life and I'm like well I'm telling all these people about Jesus I'm telling all these people about Christianity and why they should be believing what I believe and I had a moment where I'm like what do I have that they would want yeah oh, wait, nothing I have nothing that these people would want so here we are serving this like witch's brew of vomit and we're like this is you're gonna go to hell if you don't take this and it's just pain and fear and it's the same thing that you're getting everywhere else no part of it is love and that really yeah. to me just like blew the whole thing up for me well and for me I became I started to ask the question what is it that got Jesus killed and what is it that got the disciples killed was, was it was it because they were standing up for prayer in schools? You know, was it it's just it's like there's a message lost against the empire of their then versus now. And so Jesus of Christ and or, or I should say the Christian life or the Constantinian Christianity can so easily separate us from the reality of Jesus of Nazareth that it there is no there is there is no connection because mm-hmm. like like, for instance, the recent um, they were about to execute Rodney Reed in Texas. And uh, or even with the the Mexicans or anything from Trumpism, 
has been so revealing to me. Like to know to see who a person is during Trumpism with in their Christian faith is I really feel like is to know that person. Absolutely. Like if they don't take any issue mm-hmm. with X, Y, Z, with whatever it is, and they're not willing to feel, think, empathize, mm-hmm. or cha- be changed, then that's really all I need to know. That's a reflection and- of their inner <laughs> of their inner state. It truly is. There's no really way of getting around it. What you're standing for is a reflection of what you believe. I mean, there's just no there's no getting around that. Yes, and so you take these issues like Rodney Reed, that's going to be potentially executed, and he and he's potentially innocent based on all this evidence. And so for some for someone like me, I'm thinking, well, let's stand up, let's let's say, let's have a word, let's let's. I don't want to see this happen. Let's just look at the evidence again. But a lot of my friends of the Christian faith say, well, he made bad decisions, and well, I hope he knows. Those the are Lord. his consequences. And Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. And so this Christianity mask has kind of separated them from the real situation, from reality itself. And it's so interesting because that's how I lit. I literally was that person, that Trumpism, dude, that was fucking me. Like I was that person 100%. And it's funny because we have to say, oh, they had it coming. Oh, that's just a consequence in order to stay disconnected because there's not a chance that you can not empathize and be compassionate with people without that. Right. So I would say, but that was a reflection of how I viewed myself. I was so afraid to do the wrong thing and not be perfect that I, because of the consequences. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. Oh, they fucked up. They failed. They did this. So that's a consequence. Well, I was terrified of the consequences. So I'm like, see, look at, I'm doing everything right. This is the good way to do it. And I had to do that to keep the fake life. I had to do that to keep the facade up. So you absolutely are right. It's so disconnected from true love uh, Mm -hmm. because love is empathy. Love is compassion. Love is connection. And we use the Bible and Jesus and God as a wall saying, oh, that's just not biblical. That's not in the Bible. And you're just done at that point. You're just completely closed off. Yeah. And I, um, for that, I see it can be really dangerous. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. Yeah. And, um, so tell me what, about, yeah. tell me about your, so you walked this out in college, you got married, mm-hmm. you had kids You've been just Mm -hmm. continuing kind of unraveling the whole thing. So I want to hear about, as you're going through this, your mental health. I mean, what you've been dealing with, I want to hear how this has affected you, kind of like where you've come now at, you said you're 38. So, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of just how it's, what your journey has been like from then until now. I'll be 38 in a month. I've got 30 more days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mental health. Well, you know, I'm self-employed, and I've always been self-employed since the last 19 years. Never had a corporate job. So you want, if you want to put that in a smoothie, if you if you're making a Kevin smoothie, you put a little bit of self-employment, um, a little bit of uh, religion, a little bit of uh, unknowing, a little bit of. So what it means for me is, it really is a life of walking on water, mm. because I'm in the Bible Belt, and I do have friends, and I do have people that. I, that, that make me feel a little less crazy. But for the most part, a lot of times I feel alone. And a lot of times I feel like I'm doing this by myself. And there's a part of that that I think is healthy because I am my own person. But there's another part of that that is makes it really hard. You know, it makes it hard when you're asking these big existential questions and people want to be your friend, but you can't make them you can't make them suffer. You can't, make them, <laughs> you can't make them think about these questions. You can't make them 
struggle with it. It kind of has to play itself out. You know, like they have to realize that this system doesn't work for them. And then they'll start to question the system. But they're going to be the person that's like, that was like me, where the whole thing has to blow up in order for them to even be able to do that. And you're like, hello, you don't have to let it get that far. And, but there was no, nobody would be able to tell me that I never would have listened. So that's probably what you're dealing with. Exactly. You know, I have all sorts of friends and on all sorts of places in, in their faith and or no faith. And we love and respect one another and we have good conversation. But I like connecting, you know, like we are on this podcast with people much more so than, you know, small talk. So, yeah, it makes it difficult. And I don't know how much of it is just where I live. Because there there are other areas you go to, like Asheville in the mountains, and you're like, wow, this is yeah. you can walk around topless. Yeah. <laughs> can you really? Yeah, it's a That's wild. <laughs> uh, you know, or I see these churches in other places, like I was saying in Pasadena, and they're asking the big questions. Like, to have a Sunday night where someone like Marcus Borg, rest in peace, came to a local church around here and did that talk would be like, the church would probably be closed tomorrow. Yeah, so. <laughs> it would be lit on fire, that's for sure. Exactly. So yeah, for me, it's, uh, I, hate, I hate to refer to Roar so much, but I guess I really like yeah. his stuff. Yeah. He, um, he he says, you know, you can't you can't have a thousand friends. You you really can you can really probably only handle about five good friends. Yeah. And so I try to invest when I can, where I can mm-hmm. with those people. Yeah. You know? But then it's also developing. So for you, that mental um, that that depression and anxiety comes from a place of feeling so alone and feeling mm-hmm. unheard and feeling like the fucking black sheep. I mean, I understand yeah. that completely. I've kind of created that life for myself. I kind of had to do that in order to yeah. grow because I couldn't do it when I was so codependent. So you're not mm-hmm. codependent on people, which is a beautiful thing, but yet you're lacking that um, the connection and the true strong relationships. And, and it's funny because I see so much of like when you step into who you are and you become so okay with who you are and how, your quirkiness and your idiosyncrasies and you just start broadcasting that it's actually like I've started to meet friends that are truly connected to me when I started being myself and that's the beauty when you're open to love you get love in all areas and so you have those connections you're like oh my god there was somebody else on this earth the whole time that was thinking exactly what I was thinking and and then you don't feel so alone yes and that's why the Enneagram has been so good for me I love the 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 podcast like typology and Suzanne Stabil one because it lets me know like well I'm not completely crazy because uh, a number four on the Enneagram which I identify is or as is they want meaning they're a little addicted to their suffering at times yeah uh, you're like taking it on like I just suffer like a martyr you're like a martyr yeah. yeah 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 and so it goes perfectly hand in hand with like wanting to live a life well lived you know and being a little passionate and they also they're not really happy or sad they're kind of rest in melancholy and so for me that's kind of I kind of think of that as being a a realist or being pragmatic in a sense. And so, yeah, but it, it's funny it's that it, to be sad. Yeah. And it's funny though, cause I just had a conversation with my friend. I was doing the Enneagram stuff for the first time because of you. And mm-hmm. I was reading in my type eight, which so very clearly I'm a type eight or whatever. <laughs> if it's a type or a number. And I'm like, all right, well, unfortunately <laughs> I resonate with that one. Um, <laughs> But I, it said, like, listed all the people that are also probably fall in that category. And Martin Luther King Jr. was one of them. And it's so funny because cool. I so relate to his purpose. And he was like, fuck you all. This is the truth. How are you letting these people suffer? It's a whole 
people group that's just in, in all of this oppression. And he literally, but the thing I don't like about Martin Luther King Jr., which we might lose more followers after this is- You're such an eight. <laughs> he, I know, can you ever pick out something you don't like in Martin Luther King Jr.? Like how much is that? But he, it's that concept that I have to suffer for love because Jesus Christ himself came and suffered for love. In what fucking world is suffering love? It's not. So my challenge is, can you bring love and truth and freedom? Like I literally live to bring freedom to women and to open their eyes and to, that's my power. Can I do that without losing my life? Can I do that while being a mom? Can I do that while being, having everything, the money, the body, the relationships, the parenting, all those things. And can I still bring the powerful transformative truth to the earth? And my answer is, fucking hell yeah. And so I don't like the concept of I have to just suffer and I'm going to lose my life because that's not love. And I think when you're talking about yourself, like there is that element of you're feeding off of the suffering and you're feeding off of being the victim, which I know that that sounds Mm -hmm. really judgmental and I don't mean it in a judgmental way, but that Mm -hmm. was where I was in my unhealthy Mm -hmm. eight. I was feeding Mm -hmm. off of the suffering. I'm like, look at me. I'm a single mom. (laughs) And then I realized I lost all my power when I did that. And when yeah. I when I found that my voice and when I found my power, I realized that I can do all of this and have everything that I want and my whole life took off then. That's when everything changed for me. Mm, I like that. Yeah, yeah. I want to be an overcomer, you know. As you get older, uh, it, it seems like more and more things can get in the way and you can lose sight of being an overcomer. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, but there is a power in knowing your strength, knowing your weakness, you know, and connecting with others, but also saying we're going to move forward and we're going to, we're going to get shit done. Yeah, no, I like that. So it's interesting. Like so where you're at now, so you and I talked about, <laughs> I kind of like pushed your buttons a little bit and I yeah. asked you the big question, like, what are you going to fucking do about it? What are you going to yeah. do with your, what are you going to do? Cause I feel like you're so smart. You have all of this knowledge. You have this life experience. You have all, and you're coming from a place of empathy and compassion and tenderness, which is so honorable because I tend to come from, like you said, you're not coming from a place of bitterness and anger. I tend to be like my, I am inclined to come from a place of fuck you. I'm so angry, (laughs) but I I obviously have like alchemized that in myself. So I see that you have all this knowledge and you have all of this. And so my question for you is what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do with it? That's going to like change the world. That's going to make an impact. So you've had some time to like, think about that. So what have you come up with? (laughs) You're doing, you're doing your podcast. So tell me about that. (laughs) Yeah. You, uh, you encouraged me. Um, I'm not, I don't, I don't really think I'm that well, people say I'm passionate and people also, and I hate it when people say that really, whenever they say it in a condescending way, which is a whole other episode, but, um, oh, I can tell you're so passionate. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah like, I'm passionate. <laughs> like, how are you not passionate? <laughs> but they're saying it in a way, in a derogatory way, like what you're passionate. Oh, you're passionate about yeah, that. I can oh. tell you're really passionate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I uh, there was a preacher out in California and well, actually it's Bethel Ministries. I used to follow all the leaders. Yep. Well, they all they all got on the Trumpism train, and mm. so I was never trying to troll them or anything. But like, if they if they posted like a really assertive statement, I would just kind of interject with a question. Yeah. And before I know it, I got blocked. And no. Yes, I got blocked by all of them. No. And I, and I just wanted to ask questions. Like, is there any room for questions? People? No. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> power, baby. Power yeah. and profit. Yeah. And um. So and and the one guy says. 
and the one one of them he's he's like I, I can tell I can tell you're really passionate and 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 probably an artist and um and I think that's great but 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 pretty much saying like I'm not gonna go there you know like oh, I don't want to be passionate yeah so anyway sorry what am I gonna do that was a bunny trail I like the idea of the podcast although it scares me I'm trying to find the things that scare me you're and you seeking definitely got out me the thinking. things that scare you yeah yes and you mm-hmm. definitely got me thinking mm-hmm. um I don't know the answer I like these conversations they make me feel less crazy I like I like just hearing people's stories. I like knowing where they come from and how they cope. One idea was a podcast called Surviving and Thriving, because some days you feel like you're just surviving. Some days you feel like you're thriving. And I want to know how people handle the pendulum between mm, each yep. and their coping mechanisms. Mm. Um, Which is so funny so, that you say the pendulum, because I literally did a video on Facebook about this yesterday, the day before, where my personality vacillates very strongly from dependent to independent, like on a pendulum, I will go from so independent to so dependent. And when I learned that about myself, I was like, so repulsed. I'm like, that is fucking weak. And I hate that. (laughs) But it was true. So like, so that was for me. So now I'm at the point where I recognize that I vacillate so strongly when I'm getting my validation from outward sources. So when I, I, I go to the total dependent slash codependent phase when I need my boyfriend, tell me you love me, tell me I'm beautiful, my mom, (laughs) tell me I'm a good mom, tell me I'm doing okay, my dad, tell me you're proud of me, right? Instead of knowing that that can come from within me. So literally in the past couple of weeks, my mantra is I am steady. I am stable, right? So I'm I'm taking what is my natural inclination to vacillate and I'm saying, I don't fucking accept that. That's not okay with me because I am independent, but I'm drawing my power from within me, from God, from source, whatever you want to call it, instead of relying on outward sources for that. So I've recognized that that is the difference between surviving and thriving. And it's a choice, but it's learning how to do that. And it's learning the Enneagram is so cool because it's learning what your tendencies are, but then taking it to the next level and saying, I'm not okay with that. That's not who I want to be. Yeah. And for the number four, it's being creative and being inspired and taking those risks. And um, I don't know what it looks like from a pragmatic sense because like, yeah. Well, we know know. you're starting a podcast, so you don't know the direction of the podcast. You don't necessarily know what it's going to be called, but this is so cool because it's taking that step and saying, I'm walking on water and I'm free falling into the unknown. And that's why doing things that scare you is so important because if you just, you're going to literally go to your grave having all of these like ideas and all of this knowledge and doing nothing with it and then what you're gonna be like well what the fuck I should have done that when I was 37 but I was too fucking scared and said you're doing it now and you're doing and it's and getting so good at being afraid and doing it anyways is such a that's how people are successful and that's what changes the world and and this is why I love a healthy eight (laughs) because uh I love the intensity and um yeah, I need that. That's yeah. Good. It's funny as you say that because my office is right beside a, uh, a funeral home. And oh, sometimes I guess they're behind on the um, on the cremations because I'm watching smoke come out of the thing. Oh, my God. What a yeah. depressing thing. Well, no, I'm an Instagram four. I love it. I'm like, yeah, life and death. <laughs> you are. <laughs> that's hilarious. I'm like, yeah, that's that's reality. Deal with. But it, it makes you stuff. think in rea- in reality. You you only have what are you? So say you're you only have. 50 years left on earth what are you gonna fucking do with it and that's what literally why i'm here is to like light the fire in myself so i can light the fire in other people and it's like open your eyes 
to the big picture and like, why not start a podcast? How scary is that in comparison to dying, knowing that you didn't do anything? That's scarier to me. Yeah, 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 I agree, I agree. So well, anyway, so people can look forward to to (laughs) subscribing to your podcast. So you already have some people lined up, so that's really cool. Yeah, funny enough, I asked two people I kind of know or follow on Instagram, like, hey, would you be on my podcast? Assuming, and this is my this is my downfall. Already making the story up in my head. They won't respond. They mm-hmm. think you're a joke, and they don't care. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Both of them said sure. So yeah. I'm like shit. I don't even have a podcast. <laughs> you're just like faking it till you make it. But you have to do that. And it's so funny that yeah. you're recognizing the thoughts because from here on out, you're gonna go into it like like changing the story in your head from yeah. uh, I don't know what like the Eeyore story yeah. to like yeah. Tigger you're like I'm gonna do it I'm gonna like yeah. do whatever I want and I'm so great and that is how you're successful it's so simple because one is love and one is not love and recognizing yeah. your tendency to be that like well, well, I'm not gonna do yeah. like I'm not gonna be good yeah. at this and that it's so easy to switch it then when you're so re- yeah. when you recognize it so yeah you challenged me Yes. Good. That's what I'm here for. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been really great hearing your story and um, my listeners can find you. I will post a link to your podcast when you get that up and (laughs) they can follow your story on Instagram. You share a lot on Instagram, which I think is pretty cool. So yeah. So cool. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome.